I used to say to pastors when I would go preach at their churches, uh, I did a lot of that after I retired other Methodist churches, and I'd go into the church and uh, they would say, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I said, well, what, what's your schedule? They'd show me the schedule. And I finally just said, hey, just call me when it's my time. <laughs> so it's my time and uh, we want to bless the Lord with our time. I looked here this morning, I, I saw something that I don't know whether you caught on to it or not, but to kick off a service with, I saw the light, that's the only way to do it, right? And then the praise song, worthy to be praised and faithful and merciful, the, the power of that kind of praise is, it's indescribable. Do you feel it when you're, when you're singing like that? And the people out who are watching uh, online, you, you feel that right here. I thank God for our music team. Pray for them. Pray for their health. Also, keep Pastor Scott, Tammy, and his family in prayers. I know you do that. Well, it is Valentine's Day, and uh, you know, Valentine's Day is not in the Bible. <laughs> nothing, nothing biblical about Valentine's Day, because we don't even know who the saint was at this point. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of a fun thing, right? But you know, I thought about weddings, too. When we do weddings, the wedding ceremony, that's not in the Bible either. Nothing in the Bible about a wedding ceremony. It just says they had a wedding. But there's no details on how to do a wedding. But it does say that man should take a woman to be his wife, and the two shall become one. You've read the scriptures pertaining to that. So a lot of what we do is tradition. And there's good tradition, and there's not so good tradition. So I like, to, I like to hang on to the good part. I like to think of the tradition when I was in the second grade of school and I had my eye on this cute little girl over here and it became Valentine's Day and we had the little Valentine, everybody exchanged Valentines. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope she gives me one that says she loves me. <laughs> she did. And I sent her one too. But those little things kind of like that stays with now when we're adults. We do the same thing. We give Valentine, we give candy and all that, right? What's that have to do with the Bible? Well, maybe it, maybe it has a lot. Um, I, I think that uh, when I was asked to preach yesterday, I thought, well, I, I know what I'll preach on. Valentine's Day is all about love, and love, real love, comes from God. And the love that he extended to us was himself in the person of Jesus Christ, right? So I wanted to read a little bit about Jesus today, something that one of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible. It's found in the second chapter of John. A little place called Cana. You've been there, I've been there. It's still a little place. The population couldn't, couldn't be too big. In Cana, like anywhere else, you know, we live here in Orlando. It's, it's kind of a big place, but we all have our little communities, and we have a community here. And when we have a wedding, 
persons are invited that are friends of the family or friends of friends of the family or family, and they all come to the wedding. Uh, we might have a little reception afterwards, so on, maybe a big reception, I don't know. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an event, it's a celebration of two people uniting together, and then we're gonna celebrate. Well, I'll read the story to you. Now, I'll try to keep a straight face in some of the things I say. <clears throat> <laughs> On the third day, ooh, stop right there. What happened the third day? What happened the third day when you hear third day? Resurrection. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Stop right there. Jesus did social events. He partied with people. Maybe, I think so. Well, when, <laughs> now here comes the problem. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, hey, son, I have no more wine. Well, that, what's, what's religious about that? Well, I hope nothing. But what's important about that? I'm thinking if you, some of you, I know none of you drink wine, of course not. But if you did go to a wine tasting, elegant wine tasting, and they had a, a whole display of gourmet cheeses and crackers and all the goodies that go with it, you know, and we sit down there, we've already paid $100 to get into this thing, and we're going to taste wine. Now we sit down there, and the manager comes out and says, Folks, I am so sorry. We ran out of wine, but, but we have water, Coke, Pepsi, and grape juice. What would you do? Well, I'll let you answer that question. They didn't have any wine. And Jesus said, well, mother or woman, why do you involve me? My hour is not yet come. So Jesus was operating under the will of God and in the plan of God, and evidently in the plan of God, it wasn't time for him to show, his, show the power, the glory of God. Wasn't time to do that. But mama, mother said, hey, son, they're out of wine. His mother then said to the servants, and she evidently presupposed or assumed that he would obey her. She then said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And so nearby stood six stone water pots, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons. Well, I did a little math. If they held between 20 and 30 gallons, I average 25 gallons per jug. I shouldn't say that, per water pot. They were ceremonials, <laughs> pious to say that. So at 25 gallons per pot times six is 150 gallons, 150 gallons of water. 
Well, we better, we better continue the story before I get into that. All right, you got that? 150 gallons of water. And these pots were filled to the brim because Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. You ever run a glass of water under your ice maker, you know, the filtered water, and run it right up out and run it over, and then you get it out, and it looks like it's got a hump on it? That's filled to the brim. You don't want to shake it or anything. Okay. <laughs> after, the, after they filled them to the brim, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Who is the master of the banquet? Well, he's kind of the boss. He's a coordinator. He would be like your wedding coordinator personified. He, he was in charge of everything, and the bridegroom was paid for it evidently in those days, made sure that he had the best master to take care of everybody, to have the best party, the best they could have. And the master is the one that said, hey, we're, we're out of wine. Now, then they took some to the master of the banquet and he tasted it. Now, and the scripture says it this way, they took it to the uh, master of the banquet and he tasted the water that had been turned to wine and he didn't realize where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. Two things leap out there. Number one, when he tasted the water, it was wine. And I can just picture, you know, he's, he's responsible, and it's got to be good wine. So he takes it, and they pour him a little bit in a glass, and he looks at the color of it. He takes a whiff of it. You know, you smell it. Let me smell the cork sometimes. And then take a drink. And he said, man, that's the best wine I've ever tasted. Usually, I better read the scripture. <laughs> he didn't realize where the wine had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. That's another important key in this story. The servants who had drawn the water, knew. Keep that in your mind. Remember, Pastor Scott has been preaching about the heroes of the Bible. There's a hero in this story that I'm going to bring out in a little bit. Maybe you haven't thought of as a hero before. I know Jesus is always a hero. There's no doubt about that. But in this story, there are some other heroes. Then the master called the bridegroom aside, and he said, you know what? Everyone brings out the choice wine first, the good stuff, and then the cheaper wine, the rot gut, they bring that out later when the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. Now get this. This is a story of what happened to God Almighty the Son of God, 
This is a God story. And to glean the truth and to glean anything to help us in our own lives as believers, we have to look at the characters and look at what happened. Glad you asked that. <laughs> well, when they came to the bridegroom, when they came to Mary and the master of the banquet and advised them that the wine had run out, what do you think their persona, what do you think their, their emotional response was? Oh, right? I don't want Pepsi. I don't want Coke. I don't want water. I want this real stuff. In life, sometimes when we lose a loved one, that same, that same feeling, that same heaviness can take over. When there's a divorce, when children go astray and do things, grandchildren, when the plague takes over the world, it, it, it's debilitating. Is it not? So we need a party to, to get us up, right? Remember last week? Prayers go up, blessings come down. I, I so appreciate this, this story because it tells the story of our lives. Life is not one big party. You know, you have a wedding, you have a reception, you have a great time. But later on, if you get down, you can remember that. And you darn well better remember it with a card sometimes too, right? <laughs> and the children go astray. We have memories of when things were fine. But when we have problems, Jesus comes on the scene. And whether we respond to that in a positive way, whether we respond to Christ, the Holy Spirit, that's our decision. The master of this feast, and by the way, I guess the, the bridegroom could have said, oh, this wedding is, we're, we're done. It, it, it's gonna be, it's a terrible experience. Everything is, is lost. And then Jesus comes on the scene and does something that's completely out of character. You know, there, there are people today that argue the, the, the most ridiculous discussion. They argue about this particular portion of Scripture. And I'll share this with you. This is what some people uh, discern I would say they're through their intellectual investigation, but that would be, wouldn't be true. They, they discern from that. 25 pots 
or six pots at 25 gallons each, 150 gallons. A normal glass of wine that you get in a restaurant contains five ounces of wine. I did a little math and assumption. I'm assuming there were 200 people at that wedding. It's probably way over the, what it was then. Probably wasn't 300 people in the whole village. But say there was 200 people at that wedding. <laughs> they would have had to consume, if they, if they drank all the wine, 3,840 glasses of wine. Again, why would Jesus do something like that? Is that extravagant? Absolutely. It is. But that's the way Jesus is. He surprises us. And we might question, well, why would he do that? Why would he create that? That's, that's not even appropriate to discuss. What's appropriate to discuss is how much God loves us and the extravagance of the love that he delivers to us when we're open-armed and receive it. That's the message. That's the message. So don't get caught up in the water and the wine and all the details because if you want to know the details, you ask me. I've got them down pat. I figured them out. <laughs> I, I love to in, dissect things like that. And sometimes I do that and then I see the stupidity of it. It, it. It's like today, the political climate in this nation. People go, oh my God, what are we going to do? I hear on both sides of the fence, the aisle, <laughs> the aisle. <laughs> both sides of the aisle. It's all right. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, you're not going to be down long. You might be down once in a while, but you're not going to be down long because Jesus will come on the scene and do something completely out of the ordinary. Surprise, surprise. And another point in that I, I just remembered. Thank you. Thank God. God can change his mind. You know, God had in mind, had the, had the plan laid out for Jesus as to when he was going to demonstrate his glory. And that's why Jesus said to his mother, hey, my time's not, not yet come yet. But Jesus had this much love. God had this much love that he changed up. God can change up things in your life. But if you've never, ever had that connection to God through Christ. Pray the prayer, God, forgive me and save me. Jesus Christ, come into my life and make me a new person and save me.